0: A number of months ago, I had the occasion to meet and have a conversation with a a young barista at a place, and when you wear a collar, people are going to have those kinds of conversations with you about faith. And she came to me and she said that she had been a person of faith for a good bit of her life, but she now called herself an atheist. And she went on to tell me that the reason that she was an atheist was because she could not reconcile science and faith. And it hit me a little uh, hard because sometimes I, I just don't even see the issue at all. But today that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the broad issue of uh, sort of faith and science and really the particular issue of science and the Bible. And we're doing that as we continue this sermon series we've been doing where we're open, trying to open up the Bible. And this series is meant to give us some tools to go with the Bible, to answer some of the basic questions people ask, and to give us a jump start in it. And last week we're going to end with uh, the final sermon next week, which I hope will be the most practical sermon you've ever heard, because we're going to talk about how to bring the Bible into your, uh, your life at a personal level with what you do with it day in and day out. So it's kind of where we're headed on this. And I think the beginning question for this, with the story I told, obviously this is a big question, but is it a big question for you? Like, where are we on this? And I'll quote back to you some data from uh, 2014 Pew Research um, survey that they did, asking the question, do you perceive that there is a conflict between science and religion? The results back for the United States came that uh, 60% of people answered yes, that they thought there was often a conflict. 38% said no, that they thought the, the two were, were consistent. So it was a Interesting numbers that we hold. I think it's more interesting, too, if you're thinking, well, it's not my issue, that it is the issue for a lot of people who are not here, and I sometimes forget this, because if you go back and dig deeper into that data, that same data for people who don't go to church more than once a year comes back at 73% that say that there's a conflict, which leads me to think it's one of the reasons they're maybe not in church. That's what we want to go and look at today, and we're going to do this largely around the opening. Uh, chapters of the Bible and Genesis, and this whole issue of creation, because I think that's the opening books, and I think that's where a lot of this uh, tension comes from, and really a dichotomy that's put out there. I'm going to jump to the conclusion at the start and say falsely, but I think you can see it if we kind of hold these two up for a minute, the two sort of um, polar extremes on this issue, right? So, on the one hand, You have people that are known today, this this camp of people that advocate, that are called the young um, creationists, the young earth creationists. And they're people that believe in a plenary verbal inspiration. They believe every single word of the Bible is inspired, much like Muslims believe for the Quran, that God more or less dictated it. And along with that, they have inerrancy, which leads them to believe everything is literal. So if it says something that's has scientific import, it's literal. And so where they end up with how old the world is, is they work backwards. All this has to be true, so they work backwards looking at lifespans and what the Bible says about the genealogies, the the ones where everybody's eyes get heavy, they count through all these genealogies, and they work backwards, and they say that the world is probably 6,000 years old. And when you start to talk about carbon dating and artifacts and dinosaurs and things, they say, science has it wrong. So that's kind of the one extreme on that side. And then if you go to the other side, what is the prevailing uh, sort of contrasting scientific view? Well, it's, it may vary from here to here where you read it, but it's more or less that the world is 4.57 billion years old, that it was created from the basically the stellar dust remaining after the sun is created, our stars is created, that water comes to earth from asteroids and comets. And then we have get this explosion of life that takes place 500 million years ago where everything starts to just prosper and grow and flourish and all these things. And then 65 million years ago, you have some kind of huge event, whether it's an asteroid or whatever it is, that wipes out a lot of life, as you know. Our dear friends, the dinosaurs, are gone. And then we get to the place about 2 million years ago, where we begin to see pre-humans. And then somewhere, they say, between 100 and 200,000 years ago, we get humans emerging on the scene. And you look at these two views, and you think, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to reconcile these two views, right? I mean, the, the young earth creationists, they start with a conclusion and work backwards. The scientists are trying to do scientific method and observation to get where they are. But it ultimately, I think, is a false dichotomy because this is not a science book. And we hold it up that way and we, we wind it up with this plenary verbal inspiration and start to think that every word's that way. There are lots of pressure. It's, it's a false dichotomy because science and faith are meant to complement each other. And we get that actually the more we learn about science, we learn about the order of the world and all these details the more I think it gives glory to God. And really, we look at this book and we realize that this book is not a science book. And it's answering a different set of questions. Science is all about the how. This book is all about the why and our identity. Those kinds of questions and not all the how kind of questions. And it's, so it's a false dichotomy to put it that way. And that's why we see so many incredible scientists who are people of faith. I want to just think of just a few examples. Some of you will already know some of these. But you think about Francis Collins, the guy that was the head of the Genome Project for so long. Ph.D. from Yale, M.D. from uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Who says, look, the, the God of the Bible and the God of the genome are the same God. And you can find God in the cathedral and you can find God in the laboratory. That's what he says. Or I think about one of the the guys who's had a, a big influence on me, Alistair McGrath, who I just love. He's this Anglican priest, but he has three doctorates from Oxford. The first one in molecular biophysics. I have to work hard just to say it. And then he has a doctorate in theology and a doctorate in intellectual history. And he talks about growing up in Northern Ireland, how he bought into this dichotomy. So when he headed off to undergrad where he studied chemistry, he declared himself an atheist. And it was only later that he understood the fallacy of that and became somebody who encountered Christ and was changed. And he goes on, of course, to be the guy that's one of the main challengers to Dawkins, writing responses to him and entering into debates with him and all of this. And there are others. I'll give one more example as we transition to the final part of, of this sermon. It, John Polkinghorn is, again, another one of these uh, Incredible intellects. He happens to be a theoretical physicist, professor at Cambridge, uh, and also a theologian and an Anglican priest. And he says when you look at this book, and we're heading now to talk about Genesis for a minute, even though we didn't read it. That's kind of what we're looking at for a minute. He says when you come to the Bible, you have to remember it's not simply a book, that it's really a library. And so when you're approaching one of the books in the library of the Bible, you have to know what's going on with it and realize what the context is and what time periods it's speaking in and what were the prevailing beliefs in the background, all those kinds of questions. And we may have said this before a number of weeks ago, but when we talk about it being authored by human, humans and the divine, to what extent did the human's understanding of science come in here? But that wasn't the point. God was trying to convey the inspired aspects of truth and the theology. When we, the Bible starts out with the story of creation, it's not saying, hold on, we're going to start with a science lesson. It's starting out by saying, we want to put some foundational theological principles out there to begin with. And these are hard things, I think, for those who are the young earth creationists to hold on to, because it doesn't take long before you begin to see the problems. We, we didn't read it, but Everybody knows the story, because you've heard it since you were itty-bitty, about how this first creation story goes. Now, you may not remember there are two creation stories, because sometimes we gloss over that. There's Genesis 1, and there's one that's in Genesis 2 and 3. I'm just talking about Genesis 1 for a minute, which is this great poetry about how things come into existence. But think about this order for a minute, right? Day 1, you get light and dark created. Day 2, the atmosphere Day three, you get dry land and the plants. Then on day four, you get the sun, the moon, the stars. And then you go on in day five, you get the sea and the birds. Day six, you finally get the animals and ultimately humans. And then day seven, they talk about what gets created on day seven is sacred time. God rests, commands his people to rest. And you look at that, and you begin to think of things like, did I understand that plants got created before the sun got created? How's that work? And people begin to think about some of the deep questions. So it's not a science book. It's not what it's trying to go at. It's meant to be this hymn, this creed, this beautiful poetry. If you see the form, it's always God said this. It came into existence. It was good. And so you get that what it's trying to teach is about truth and theology. I think that's the reason why you get things today like where Pope Francis telling the Roman Catholics that this idea of nature evolving is not inconsistent with the church's teaching because it's, it's a different category what it is. It's this hymn and this poetry. And really what's being driven home at the very opening pages of the Bible is that God is the creator That we have this beautiful gift of life given to us and that we're made in God's image. It's not meant to be a science book. It's meant to drive home these core tenets of what we believe as the beginning place for all of this. And it's really a a false dichotomy. Don't draw these watertight categories. Hold it for what it's worth. See it for what it is and what it's trying to teach. And all that conflict goes away. And then science, we realize, becomes a friend that helps us glorify God. But it's a matter about holding it in the right place. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of Scripture, which we believe you speak through. Lord, help us to hear your voice in it. Help us to come with sensitivity to the people that you were speaking to then and how you're speaking to us now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.